0: Over a decade of experience in video games, and all he has to show for it is this stupid podcast. It's Behind the Line Radio with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Line Radio, a podcast about the making of video games, the business of video games, and the people of the video games industry. I'm your host, Kinetic, a.k.a. Nick, and we have a. Really special guest today. Uh, recently, Extra Credits had their QA episode. Greg and I talked about it. And uh, Dave gilliard Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. I I don't do prep like I told you in the, <laughs> in the intro. Uh, agreed to come on and continue the discussion. And I am pretty excited to have more actual game QA discussions. Because I just generally think it's not discussed enough. So... And, of course... Enthusiasts own Judge Greg is here as well to continue said conversation. Uh, so, Dave, how are you doing today?
2: Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, that's not how you pronounce my name, but my name is French and stupid, so I'm not offended. <laughs> I'm pretty used
0: to it. Oh, Dave, I like you already. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I think this is also the third Dave that we've had on, so...
0: Yes, yes it is.
1: Ah. <laughs> uh, So, um, why don't we just start by, uh, why don't you tell a little bit about the process or like what you were thinking, kind of going into writing that episode of extra credits?
2: Sure. Um, so, uh, I've been a big friend of Extra Credits since uh, probably like 2009 or something when a friend of mine turned me on to them. And uh, I'm also a uh, resident of the Seattle area, so I've been very lucky in that I've been able to go to PAX, and I've watched a bunch of PAX panels. I pretty much see their Extra Credits PAX panel every year, and two or three times – someone has said, hey, have you ever considered doing an episode on QA? And they've said, yes, but we don't have the right partner for that. And then, like, maybe three years ago or something, it occurred to me that, like, maybe I could help them find that partner. And then probably about, you know, 10 minutes after that, it occurred to me, maybe I could be that partner. <laughs> um, and, and you know, it, it took me some time, because I'm, I'm not really, like, a professional writer or anything, uh, it took me some time to build up the confidence and to like – I only occasionally thought about doing it. So so it was like how how would I like get the gig? Should I write the episode and then just like submit it? No, that's not it. That's not how this works. So um, basically my plan was to go to PAX of last year and just like walk up to them at the booth and pitch to them there um, or maybe after the panel. And as it happens, I bumped into James on the street and pitched it to him there very briefly as he was walking to something. And we just, he gave me his business card. I sent him my resume and we talked about it over email. But, um, you know, you, you guys talked about how there's, you know, not many people talking about games QA and, and I agree. And that's part of why I wanted to do it is that there's pretty much, you know, no one talking about, uh, you know my profession when there's tons of people talking about art and programming and design and whatnot.
0: And just to interject, the people that do talk about your profession and in our profession in general usually don't talk about it in an informed or intelligent manner.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, there's also there's also a lot of. Uh, I've, I've been doing QA for nine years, which is you know, probably too long. Um, but
1: uh, <laughs> you you you. you... Okay, I've been in QA for like 15 years now, so.
2: <laughs> right, right, but I've been a manual tester for that long. And like there's a lot of, of guys that are uh, automation testers or test managers or, um, you know, like have, have computer science degrees and use their computer science degrees to do that sort of stuff. And, and they'll talk about what it's like to be in QA. And, and that's cool and that's valid and that's great. But, like, 95% of the actual jobs in QA are manual black box testers done by, you know, stoners and high school dropouts, Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, to disrespect myself. Um, And I think that 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 was the sort of thing that I, I, I wanted to talk about, that the, like, I don't know, the game test proletariat and the unwashed masses was what I sort of wanted to talk about.
1: Yeah. Well, like, like I said, I mean, from <clears throat> I think I think um, in the dis- in the, in our discussion before, I called it about eighty percent right, which is probably better than I could have done. I mean, I, I, I was looking back over it uh, uh, earlier this morning before recording, and I saw the uh, the episode for QA and the episode for play testing, which I remember was the one where they said we're talking about play testing, not functional game testing. The playtesting right. one was season three. The QA one was season fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. for for such a cornerstone, pivotal discipline, like they really didn't get to it for a really long time. So one, I'm glad you, uh, you were. I mean, that that same premise of trying to get in touch with them to write something is something that I had been knocking around in my head for a while too, but. I am really not a people person, and, like, trying to reach out to do anything like that is, like, d- gibberish to me. I don't know how to do it. So I am very happy that someone who is a, a good, eloquent representative of our discipline was able to, to, to cross that bridge. <laughs>
0: I'm really impressed that you recognize James on the street because I swear I could walk by that man and never even know it was him. Really,
2: like he? Oh man, he's like he's got a very distinct style. Like I, I, I don't know, I don't know what he's like when he's not at PAX, but keep in mind I've seen him at PAX like six years in a row. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, you can you can spot him from a mile off. No, nobody else in the world looks like James Portnow.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'll also say this: if you're if you're able to go to PAX all the time, then you don't have too much room to complain about not being able to attend a GDC.
2: Hey, I'm sorry. I I, I, I can afford to go to PAX because I live here. I can't afford a (laughs) GDC because it's way, way more expensive and also nowhere near me.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I can afford to go to GDC because I live within driving distance and I can either get tickets from my uh, company or, uh contacts that i have i've never paid to go to to gdc
0: and Why i'm east fancy. coast
1: yeah <laughs> so you go to pax east hey we, i've been we... to pax
0: i've been to pax east and new york comic-con those are sort of my my staple cons
1: hey we've actually got a bit of a, a, a good net here
0: <laughs> yeah
1: surprising so i suppose the next thing to to kind of bring up in in discussion would be the, the one thing that that uh, Greg and I probably made the most out of the that extra credits episode was the, uh, the bit, and I understand, we had a, an exchange about this um, since then, Dave, and I understand where you're coming from, but just as a point or a, a topic for the conversation was the uh, QA can't have master level understanding of everything. Dave and I, uh, I'm sorry, Greg and I, Common names. I'm getting them mixed up in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're discussing about how QA do- is often in a really good position to have the uh, sort of overall system understanding of how everything comes together.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree that uh, QA will tend to have a um, better understanding of the product as a whole and to ha- like that that sort of holistic uh Polymath uh, understanding um, can it, it is is like one of Kiway's best values. In uh, uh, but um, what I meant was that like the amount of like drill down specificity on a particular topic. When I get asked to test, you know, some feature that a programmer has implemented, it is not possible for me to understand that feature to the level uh, that that programmer does. But I c- can understand it um uh in relationship to other things uh definitely you know i'm I'm just not gonna like know the particulars of the um uh trigonomic equations that form how ray casting works in the you know whatever uh that 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 like super drill down deep level um understanding is just not you know something that qa gets
1: I don't see why even uh, the wrestler Bret Hart was able to point out an old reference pointer when he was helping them with uh, WWE games.
0: <laughs> yes, Greg remembered that one. I do remember that one. It was funny because it was like it was a legit comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mean, obviously well, staged, but still, like they didn't just make him make, make something up. They gave him a legit criticism, <laughs> so that's why it was
1: funny. Uh yeah, we're old wrestling fans, so. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, we're not going to be. Most testers aren't going to be doing white box testing and stuff, but in the in the same vein, a lot of those uh, uh, detective steps that are outlined in the episode can give you a, a a a lot of close detailed information about how things are working. If you're clever, you can kind of figure out how it's working. Now, from from my own history, I've got a computer science degree, and that helps. But it's even that's not always necessary, because a lot of it just boils down, in my experience, to logic. And actually, I think the best tester I've ever seen, it had no – I don't even think he'd gone to college. That guy was just awesome.
0: <laughs> the best tester I've ever seen, you know, besides me, uh, <laughs> as an English major. But uh, the thing is, the English major actually helps because you need to be able to document adequately. You need to be able to do so in adequate detail. And especially, you know, in the line of work where I'm like you, Dave, I do a lot of manual testing. You need to be able to write detailed steps that anybody can follow once you've written them. And English majors tend to have that in a lot of places where my engineers and my IT majors maybe don't.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think QA is like 50 percent communication. It's about getting the information you need from developers and then giving them the information they need. And communication is as much a part of that as Mm -hmm. actually, like, you know, problem-solving and observation.
1: One, another fun little wrinkle in the whole um, workflow here. My current position is actually with a, not with a developer, but with a producer, which means we're always like inherently secondhand we effectively never get face-to-face communication with developers because they could be anywhere in the world and exactly yeah. what we're working on the project can be different from one project to the next we rarely have sometimes we don't even we don't even know what we're being asked to do once we start working it's it's really weird and that's that's yeah. one of the other fun things about QA is just that it's it it's you're never going to see the same thing twice
2: yeah, my uh, roommate uh, works for a uh, publisher, and the team that he is the QA lead for works in um, Russia. So it's sort of like uh, game testing via message in a bottle. You just sort of send it over, and then maybe the next day they've read it, and then it comes back to them. Like,
0: mm-hmm. oh, I can, I can definitely relate to that. I've I've been on a I've been the lead of a team, and I have some of my group, some of my people local, and some of the developers local, and like some are external and in like various time zones and it's always the challenge whereas how do i how do i keep those people who you know are across the states as informed and engaged as the people that i actually see for six hours a day and it's uh, i mean that's it's still a challenge that i work with because i i just sometimes it just feels like those people just are, have dropped off the face of the earth and you know i don't see them i don't know where they're at i don't know if they're in the office i don't know what's going on you send your emails you hope for the best you hope to see some results and and it's, it's a, it's an incredibly difficult challenge. And, but then again, I know some guys who would just say, I would rather not even see anybody in the course of my day and just send the emails and give them my tasking. So I don't know. There's two different sides of that, but I, I just, I don't, it, I can't even fathom how you work with a team that's in a different country that don't give you timely feedback because that's what I thrive on.
2: Yeah. I, um. So I actually talked about this some in the episode. Like being in a different building creates a pretty significant barrier. I had a a personal experience where I worked at a developer for about three years. And then for uh, business reasons that weren't related to like pay or anything, they decided to move uh, testing off-site, but they did it like kind of just a couple miles away. Like it was actually closer to my house. So I went from an on-site tester to an off-site tester while still working with almost the exact same people, and my job became way, way harder, All, and it was a really, like, frustrating experience uh, to suddenly have this communications barrier, and, like, there was a lot – there was, uh, like, a really strange and abrupt uh, change in the amount of assumed confidence by – the remaining QA people who were on site and um, the developers in the testers that we had in the new lab, like they uh, – anytime someone, you know, was new there, they, they would get like uh, – I don't know. It was, a really, it was a really frustrating experience, and it created a much uh, poorer work environment having just the separation of a couple of miles uh, very abruptly despite like pretty much nothing else changing
0: mm-hmm. no I, I i believe that it's i am a very very much face-to-face person when it comes to testing and especially team leading and i mean especially as a tester i am i am in the developers offices all the time it's just part of what i do they dread it they do not want me in their offices <laughs> i i get that but that's what that's how i That's how I handle a lot of direct communication. And so even though they, I get the, the little brief glimpse of fear and the sigh whenever I walk in there, that's how I work. And so when I hear about these, these environments where as a tester, and in fact, I've even heard, I think Nick even told me like he's been in places where the testers are discouraged from talking to the developers. You basically, you take it to the (laughs) test lead and he decides whether you talk to the developer. And that's, I mean, I, that is, that would be a very challenging environment to me because I am. I am always the guy who sits in the developer's office and has to say, "All right, well, let's talk about let's talk about what this is doing. Let's talk about what you did and what I I think it is and make sure that we're all on the same page before we go through with the system test."
1: Yeah, there's I mean, there's places that I've been to that had re- like really crappy equipment, but I also know that there's places that have had such limited equipment that you had to line up to be able to enter bugs in the database. That is how bottlenecked the communication from QA wow. was. Yeah, some, there, I mean, there were weird things. Like you'd have to print out the – or like write out the bug and then hand it to the lead to review it, to redline it, to make sure it was written well enough to enter into the database and stuff. By the way, ain't no place I'm in charge of gonna operate that way if I can ever help it. And also, I'm pretty sure hardware is cheaper enough now that that's hopefully not an issue anywhere.
0: Yeah, we run into the issue with uh, just floor space where we have we're testing so many things concurrently that you you start to like you break up the products by days of the week. Like you can test on Tuesdays and Fridays, and you can test on Mondays and Thursdays. And the high price stuff will get you know dedicated machines, but everybody else. If you're if the, all the part-time testers, they they pick their days that they work, and that's the days they work on those projects.
2: Yeah, I, I, I worked uh, for about five months or something in a in a in a room that uh, was designed to seat four people but had about twelve all on like four foot desks. And we had a problem for a really long time where around 1 o'clock on, you know, a hot summer afternoon, the power would go out because the <laughs> breaker would get flipped. And so, like, the building maintenance guy comes in and is like, well, maybe you should turn some of this stuff off. And we were like, bro, it's game testing. Like, what what, what do you want me to turn off? Like, uh, we, we eventually solved it by running an extension cord to another part of the building and powering one person's pc off of that That's <laughs> a
1: problem. that that yes. is that is literally the last straw
0: <laughs> yeah we uh, we actually did do that the the cord like fouled the door and everything so we could never shut the door and every time somebody would go to shut the shut the door if they wanted like talk to you in private you're like don't shut that you're like, look up, and you would see the wire going through the doorframe. We're like, yeah, that's so that we don't trip the breaker. We've had that exact same issue.
1: Fortunately, I've never had that particular aspect of the situation. I've been in one place where we were expanding, and fortunately, the director at the time was very cognizant of electrical drain needs and was very on top of making sure all of that was attended to. However, at another place, uh, we would get power outages on occasion, which was... At the time, a little fun because it meant we got to go home early sometimes. (laughs) But that also wasn't, like, the breaker. That was the whole building. Mm -hmm. So I I also don't think that was because of the power drain that we were putting on it, partially because we weren't, like, running TVs and uh, uh, consoles and stuff. That was mobile testing way back when. so just a few um, (coughs) cell phones, small cell phones way back when. Yeah. Uh, And kind of to to take a step back about um, – pardon me – the interactions between QA and developers and whatnot, Um, another observation from another guest I've had back in the day, Eric, he – more or less, he's a, an engineer and more or less was able to get his career really going because he sat with QA and listened to what QA said. Because as he put it, QA are the ones who know what's going on. So those those close relationships aren't just beneficial for QA to be able to communicate what we're seeing. But engineers or producers or anyone who's willing to listen get benefit too. And And sometimes... People don't pay attention because of some perceived lack of, I don't know, prestige or gravitas or, you know, if they do only think of QA as high school dropout stoners um, that they're not worth listening to or something. But no, it's 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 important. You, You put them there for a reason. Anyhow. Um, (laughs) pardon me, I woke up this morning with a splitting headache and I'm doing okay, so I haven't thought of the next uh, point of conversation yet.
0: (laughs) That's fine. We'll just remove all this in post, I think. (laughs) You can can say whatever you want here, Dave. When you know he's going to cut it, you can say anything.
2: Well, let let us let, actually let's actually. I've, I've been trying to think of uh, of a way to phrase this for for the past uh, epic silence. Um, so, so let, let no
0: don't no, me, let no they actually, they didn't hear the silence, Dave. They don't know what's been silent. Let,
2: let, let, let's pretend this never happened. Um, so I think I think a lot of the problem uh, with uh, test and that sort of assumption of competence. Um, it, it, it's like it it reminds me a lot of back in my you know. My my youth and and working retail. Uh, there's there's a lot of people that are very good and will bring a lot of value to the organization that they work for, and there's also a lot of people who are very bad. And like the way that things work, like the, in in QA and and in retail, there's there are ways to move up, but there's just not that many positions there's there's not like not everyone is going to be able to make you know money in qa no matter how many good people you have on the team uh i worked at a company that um we had contracted you know qa testers and they uh hr pointed out that we you know we all had to go on these contract breaks and so there was like seven people who were some of the best testers I've ever worked for fighting over two full-time positions. So they'd be kept around and some of the best testers I've ever worked with didn't get to stay and they went off to do other things. Um, There's, there's not, there's like not a lot of motivation to be as spectacular, you know, as you can be, when the system can let you down by just not having openings for you. And I think that that sort of like, like when the like fundamental principles of capitalism break down, it's hard to get like really good people to stay around. Uh, and, 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 and that like lowers the quality right there. There's also, there's also in the episode, I talked about the large, um, you know, vast open bays of testers where they'll get, you know, hundreds of people and they'll just kind of get wherever, man. I, I, I worked at a place once where the, they had like the most basic interview, but it was like, they'd hire anyone who pay, passed a drug test and could like speak the English language that, the there's some places where the standards are so low that you can pretty much get anyone in. And, uh, it, it doesn't matter. It, 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 because of that because of those places and those locations you'll often get um uh that makes it harder for people who are good at test to get the attention they need that like diminishes the profession as a whole in a way that really frustrates me
1: oh absolutely and that's it's it's a, a somewhat a self-perpetuating cycle where you think oh This is, you know, the people brought in QA are just monkeys to do a job. And then you hire anybody and you sit them down, don't give them any tools or preparation to succeed. And then they essentially (laughs) the group lowers itself to meet your expectations, even if you would have had better capacity there if you had given them the tools to succeed. Um, the expectations are so low and the preparation is so low that the results are going to be low. Garbage in, garbage out. And then someone will look at that and say, you see, they're just a bunch of, you know, monkeys to, to, to hit buttons. It's like that. Well, it could be so much more. And that's, that's where, I mean, I have worked in console testing back in the day where the, um, It was a bit like that. I've been in this weird, almost cattle call uh, interview process where we all kind of like split into four lines and went down to talk to like five people who each did different sets of interview questions. There there had to be, I don't know, 400 people interviewed that day. Um, And that whole process of treating it like... Uh, uh, an assembly line or something. It's 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 not going to focus on finding the best quality. It's clearly focusing on volume instead of quality.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a place uh, uh, near where I live. Uh, I never worked there, but I, I've heard many horror stories of it. Where you would like they didn't have a website or a phone number you could call. You were expected to show up, and then they would pick you know however many people they needed that day. Would come in like, like you, you know, day laborers outside a Home Depot or something, waiting for a guy who needs a fence built to drive up in a pickup truck. Like, you would just show up and maybe you could work that day, maybe you didn't.
1: Ugh, that sounds horrible. I mean, yeah, how, how is it's, test it's, planning even supposed to operate in an environment like that?
2: You can't.
0: You 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 can't plan in that kind of environment. I, I I write test plans, and when you don't, when you can't even count on who you have, and the tasking, and and the level loading, and the test planning. And the test strategy, it, you, it's frustrating. It's, it's a mindset that I have seen uh, a lot. And I, I fight with this a, a lot in terms of it in my own career. Now, I will say that my career at least acknowledges that you can't just pull somebody in off the street and have them become a tester. But what, one of the things I find myself fighting for a lot is that they tend to think that somebody was good at something else. Therefore, they will also be good at test and that I mean, that it's it's a recipe for disaster, and it keeps biting us. But they keep saying, well, we want to have somebody who's going to be able to do X and Y, and therefore we're just going to teach them Z, and Z is the testing side of the house. And as somebody who is a tester by trade, who has built this as a career for themselves, and I, I like to remind them, I take certain exceptions with what you're saying, because I didn't have X and Y. I built X and Y. I came in as Z. So this insistence that a, a person will – Testers are just made from necessity and are not act- it's not actually something that requires a certain underlying skill and, and aptitude. I-, I take very certain exception with, and I, I fight this battle daily, daily, as-, as especially as I just get bodies thrown at me. Now, again, I don't – they're not going off the street. You're not getting, like, the cattle calls, but it's, well, hey, this person wrote a really good proposal, so therefore make them a tester. I'm like, well, that's not how it works. That's <laughs> – you can't just say they're good at one thing and testing something that anyone can be good at. That's just not how testing works.
2: Yeah, one of the best testers I've worked with in the last um, probably five years uh, uh, was like as far away from anything that you would expect from a tester. She like didn't even play video games. She was, uh, you know... Uh, she she was really awkward around the other, you know, actually, like, nerdy people, um, and uh, she, had, she had kids who played video games, but, you know, it was just a woman in her 40s, and she worked really hard, and she wrote more bugs than I think a human being should physically be able to produce, yet mm-hmm. here we are, uh, and uh, had a really great analytical mind and had a really strong ability to, like, see things from various perspectives which is sort of important like it's not i've worked with testers who are great at analysis and but but like only ever test by playing as themselves and and you need to be able to do it from multiple perspectives but she was she was fantastic because she could both analyze and do things from other perspectives and you know she didn't have anything uh outside of that that i would you know expect someone to identify as what would make a good tester she didn't have you know much computer knowledge she struggled to deal with the tools and whatnot and we had to help her with that but she was fantastic she was amazing as a tester once she like learned the tools and got them taught like she was unstoppable um we like basically created a new position where uh rather than having her like own a specific content we hired a new person to put her to fill her role and put her into a new role that let her like test whatever she wanted to and whatever we'd put in front of her and essentially like freelance uh, in our game uh, because she was so good at it. Yeah.
1: And I I think to some extent that kind of uh, reflects something that I think talking about hiring and stuff um, and trying to get those full-time positions like the, the most, the ideal way to do it would probably be to have a more expanded roster of, you know, full-time employees rather than contractors than most places have. Um, and for uh, leads and management to try to fight for some of that expansion rather than trying to have a continual cycling of contractors at the at the same time, Having seen some of the things that I have seen over the years, I can understand why, you know, it is something that makes companies get a bit of cold feet when you're talking about, you know, well, look, I'm just going to pick numbers. We have 10 full timers, 50 contractors, and you want to have 20 of those contractors become full timers. Do you realize what that will do to the bottom line? (laughs) That kind of stuff. And, and, you know, right or wrong, there's... Room for legitimate debate there, I at least. But yeah. continuing to there's... continuing to push for the recognition and and understanding of the scope of things is is kind of the the phase we're at now. A bit like uh, sorry to cut you off, Greg, but a bit like That's all right. I'll, I'll get back to it. Yeah, what I what, one of the things I was pointing out before was uh, I, I've worked in console testing where we had those cattle call. Uh, uh uh interviews where we were making like 9 dollars an hour um now uh the the video games industry has changed to the point where the requirements for testing and the fail are, are so much different and the failures of either testing or the ability to respond to what testers have found are so pronounced and massive that things are kind of changing to giving As I've seen, at least in in my particular experience, giving more respect and and more um, resources as needed uh, to the testing. Stuff like uh, uh, the PC port of Batman, which was just so ugly, and you know, so many times mm-hmm. when when users look at that stuff, and and I, I, I'm sure you've had this experience too, Dave. You, you see people saying, "Why didn't QA find this stuff?" It's like we, we will find it. I bet they didn't. Just didn't fix it. You know, <laughs> kind of like you were saying in the episode about the, the we won't fix this.
2: Yeah, it, it's funny. I actually, um, I recently watched, uh, the um. Uh, awesome Games Done Quick, the speedrunning uh, festival or whatever that happened in, uh, I don't know if it was January December, and they, they speedran a game that I worked on, and that was funny, there was comments that are like, you know, man, I can't believe how buggy this game is, as they like do crazy, you know, all right, I'm, I'm going to walk through this door and then I'm going to press against this wall, do a backflip, and then, you know, 360 tailgrind or whatever the heck it is in a first-person shooter and, and, like, meld with the wall and become one with the environment around me and then in two frames I'll press left and then I skip the level. And they're like, yeah, why didn't QA find that? And it's like, <laughs> first of all, what, what, like, why would we fix that? like Like, if you have to, like, work that hard to get out of the level, Just get out of the level. Who cares? Like a normal player is not going to encounter that. So who cares? And, and, you know, but they were like blaming QA for something that we, we, we never could have found because it's too rare and random and wouldn't have fixed anyways, because there's no point like, that, that sort of thing, uh, I mean, to be honest, like, I, 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 we, we left in some of the things that they would have thought of as bugs for speedrunners. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: I mean, some of that's a little bit, I mean, first of all, Jesus Christ, unsupported user path. Second, uh, it's a little bit like saying, well, why don't they fix those RAM overriding bugs in Super Mario World that let people skip right to the end credits? Like, hey, uh-huh? <laughs> why do you care? <laughs> Yeah, that's... I've, I've run into so many bugs where it's like, oh wow, if an end user can do that, good for them. <laughs> I yeah.
0: don't. Plan. I had a I had an issue where I I found a bug in in a game and it was really hard to do and like it well, what ended up having to just, you fly through the earth and you just pop out on the other end accelerated. It was it was it's obviously not the way the earth works, but um, in order to get that to happen, the the developers actually told me like, so we don't think that anybody who doesn't test the game eight hours a day would have the skills necessary to overcome the game engine and make that happen. So they just left it in. They said, so if somebody figures it out, well, great. They get to fly through the earth and accelerate on the other side.
2: Uh, A friend of mine worked on a Nintendo DS demo for E3. Uh, It was like a 10-minute game or something. And it had a score attack mode where if you got headshots, you would um, get a multiplier and that multiplier would tick up the more headshots you got, and eventually, if you got every single... uh, If you shot exclusively getting headshots for five hours, the (laughs) multiplier would tick up too high, and the game would crash. And they were like, we're not going to fix that. That's your price. If you will play this E3 demo perfectly for five hours, you get a price.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, I guess so for for the listener at home who's a gamer and is thinking they do intentionally leave bugs in, yeah, there are sometimes we catch them. we like, yeah screw it. the game's gonna crash if you do this. don't do that.
1: yeah <laughs> there, there, there are a lot
0: freaking like if you if you flip the switch 68 times the game will crash so don't don't flip it 68 times you only have to do it once. <laughs> That's a real-life example, too.
1: Hey, here's another example. If you play uh, the old NES game Kung Fu and you get past stage 10, it stops presenting uh, the stages in in uh, numbers. And then if you go past, what, like 37, it stops with the letters, too, and you start seeing bits of art. I know this because I'm obsessive with things sometimes. <laughs> I save scum on uh, an S emulator back in college when I got bored. <laughs> I heard a rumor that if you get to level 50, you fight Sylvia instead of Mr. X, and I wanted to see that for myself. Is it true? No. Of course, I also, I, I, like, just to give an example of kind of what would go through some of the, the, the head of me or some of my friends kind of at the time, um, in high school, uh, is when I was in high school Is when Gold and I was big on the N64, and that's when they had the uh, classic um, April Fool's gag about unlocking other Bonds. James Bond's characters, which, of course, MGM wouldn't allow. You're only allowed to have one thing in there. But the assets were still in the game, and they used that to mock up a shot of, like, a a Roger Moore Bond and a Sean Connery Bond. And they gave this absolutely absurd set of parameters you needed to do to unlock it. Like, you have to go onto this crazy, difficult stage and beat it in, like, two minutes without taking any damage and blah, 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 or something like that. I know a guy who did it to see if it would work he went into it yeah i'm pretty sure it's an april fool's gag but i want to see that guy was really good at the the pve of Goldeneye.
0: <laughs> i i can't imagine wanting to be that good at anything in my life
1: yeah uh,
2: i mean i can but i can't imagine succeeding at it <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is a relevant distinction to draw hmm. but uh another thing that this conversation reminded me of um is a post I saw a while ago on the Joel on Software, uh, Joel Spolsky's blog, top five wrong reasons you don't have testers, and pointing out how important it is for everybody to actually have testers and respect them. And so to, to go through it really quickly, and I even wrote an article about this once. Um, but the, the first one, bugs come from lazy programmers. If we hire testers, the programmers will get sloppy and write buggy code, which is <laughs> stupid. Uh, my software is on the web i, can... I like that
0: one though
1: I say. <laughs> also you know it's just a different the a, a different skill like if you try to put engineers in and have them test they're gonna they're gonna focus on the golden path and not pay any attention to adversarial test cases mm-hmm.
0: which... however if you do need some people in a pinch to test the golden path developers are a great choice
1: yeah that's called unit testing and when when developers <laughs> yeah. don't even do unit testing, things go really, really bad. Things go bad. really bad, and then they yeah. get to QA, and it's and there's like seven break points, and you only know the very beginning and the very end, and you can say, well, at the end it isn't right. Well, what's wrong? And and this is where you know you could say, definitely we don't have like all of the detailed information. So like I don't know. You you're not letting me see that part. <laughs> Maybe if you let me see that part, I can tell you more. But I know the beginning, I know the end, and I know it's wrong. And this gets funny when you're, or funny, fun with heavy air quotes when you're talking about counting money.
2: Yeah, you definitely need to be able to, like, test as people other than who you are. Uh, On a recent project, we actually created, like, profiles of uh, people that we expected to play our game and, like, the strategies that they would use. And when we were in RC passes, uh, release candidate passes, we would, like assign those profiles to different people and our various testers would run through like essentially as if our game had five or six golden pads. Um, and mm-hmm. that was, that was pretty useful.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> Also another thing to keep in mind kind of uh, associated with some of this thought is, um, I remember a story I forget the the game name anyway but it was a story about one guy got brought into a testing department fairly late in a project and and he was saying, and, and he was told yeah everybody on our team's really good at the game they can beat the whole thing without taking any damage blah 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 it's like okay okay they start looking at it apparently somewhere along the line the ai for the computer broke and it just didn't attack and nobody noticed they thought they were
0: all just badasses <laughs>
2: wow (laughs) oh man uh you fail
0: yeah you fail
2: (laughs) yeah there's i mean but there is like you need to avoid that sort of thing that like excessive familiarity with the game and and getting fresh eyes on it like
1: oh fresh eyes is so important i try to rotate people when when things are big enough to support that (laughs)
2: That's, uh, Testers that's can just get so used to something they don't even notice it's wrong. Yeah, and they it,
0: call uh, that the pesticide paradox. <laughs> that, that's an actual testing term. Uh, the pesticide paradox is the more times the single people test it, the less likely they are to find anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why. That's also why, even in my own history, I would go through something. I'd be like, "Yeah, I think this is pretty clean." And my manager takes a look at it in five seconds. He's pointed out like three things that I missed. I'm like,
0: oh. Yeah, that's the. I, I've used it as an excuse before. Like sometimes if I go to a project lead and say I need a new tester for a week, and he's like, "Well, what's wrong with the testing you got?" And I just answer pesticide paradox. <laughs> like I, my testers have seen this for the last six months. I need somebody who hasn't seen it in six months to come by and, and run through some of our stuff. Yeah, just because I, you know, first of all, exhaustive testing is already impossible. So don't even get me started on it. it's bug free. But
1: oh, I hate that. There is yes. no, there is it's, no, lo- there is no software beyond trivial complexity that is bug-free, and even those of trivial complexity probably have bugs.
0: Yeah, my my uh, my uh, an old test manager mentored me in testing and really, you know, got me through the QA uh, certification programs and whatnot. And she always says, if somebody asked you if a piece of software is ready, your answer is always yes, however. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's it's always it's it's always the the fun fight because you you have to, I have to be able to go to my boss and be able to say we can't test it to the degree that is satisfactory for shipping because we've been testing it for too much and I need somebody else to take a look at it and kind of key us in to look at different things that we're just not seeing anymore. Mm-hmm. And 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 I will be to the, to the credit of of most places where I've worked, uh, I get I get my request met almost immediately because the, the last thing they want to do is say well no we. We don't want to give the test team what they want, but we expect it to work at the end.
1: Yeah, and on top of which, you're a professional and you can lay out the reasons why, and if they were to deny it, you'd probably get it in writing so that if something went wrong and they try to look at you, you would just point right back to what they said before. It's like, I don't know what you want <laughs> <Yeah>. from me.
0: <laughs> yeah, you thought the same team could test the same thing week in, week out, without any changes, and that we would not only test it to your satisfaction, but we test it exhaustively and bug-free, which is just ridiculous under any circumstance
1: man i had a uh oh man was it a vp once or someone was interviewing for, no someone was interviewing for a director position and and they were told that we had like a a 98 passing rate with our submissions and he turned around and said why isn't it 100 percent?" and like oh. oh i ought to bust you up the back of your head for that <laughs>
0: yeah. I actually, I was, uh, I was in front of the customer the the last week. I was doing an acceptance test with them, and I was presenting data in in terms of uh, our system test running. And you know, we the the passes are in green, and the reds are in red, and the fails are in red. I should say, because the reds are obviously in red, because that's the color. Um, <laughs> but the, the fails are in red, and somebody asked, like, "Well, why do you have fails?" And I. I decided to give them an impromptu lecture on software testing that lasted for about five to ten minutes. Only um, five uh, to ten minutes. I, ha- I kept it brief. I applaud your cluster- restraint. <laughs> but uh, the the overall, I ended it with any individual that stands in this room and tells you that their software is bug free is either lying, incompetent, or both. <laughs> that
1: is true. Yeah. Then that's that's why also testers should never. Ever trust a developer because, like a developer, or an engineer, they'll often say stuff like, "Oh no, I fixed it. This should be fine. You don't have to look at it. Look at it right now. Look at it."
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will say to 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 the credit of the developers I have worked with over over the last uh, nine plus years, there has not been a single time when they've told me, "Yeah, it works." I always get, um, "Yeah, I fixed this. It should work." Would your test team mind taking a look at it? And I, th- the answer is always yes. It's always yes. I will absolutely look at it. No problem. Not, not an issue, but I, I've been very fortunate. That's what
1: we're there for.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I've been very fortunate that the developers I work with have decided that's the test team's job. And I, I'm, I'm in all the meetings with them saying give it to us. That's our job. You know, there's going to be, there are certain things a tester just can't close out. You know, if somebody, like sometimes somebody will write a bug against code comments, like don't give that to my team. We're not going to close out your code comment bug, you know, But, but if it's something operational and in the system, Please don't close it yourself. Give it to one of us.
1: Well, that's where I would draw a distinction between a task and a bug, where bugs are something that, by definition, you go back to QA to verify. Something about code comments, that's not a bug. That's a task. And, you, and, and some of that's just... There
0: it's just the nature of our workflow processes, that yeah. they, we treat them all as bugs. But, mm. you know, the... I I don't want the test team to do that sort of thing because it's not, that's not really on us. We're sort of, we're the side, So we should be testing, but we should be testing all the op stuff. Even if you think it's tiny, if it's tiny, then great. It won't take me that long. Hmm. So,
1: uh, going back to this, uh, 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 blog post some of the other uh, bad reasonings that they had and I'll I'll try to go through this quicker Uh, my software is on the web I can fix the bugs in a second well that means the customer saw bugs Uh, my customers will uh, test the software for me (laughs) And, and he goes into this one the dreaded Netscape defense this poor company did an almost supernatural amount of damage to its reputation through their testing methodology like everyone is on a beta everyone's on something buggy which means everyone thinks the product is just buggy and they're not going to report stuff. And when they do report stuff, you're going to get a whole bunch of poorly written stuff that's all referring to the same thing. Yeah, Here's one that kind of uh, strikes me. Is anybody qualified to be a good tester doesn't want to work as a tester? Not true. <laughs> but he basically, he kind of equates like having a good uh, testing ability as being an engineer, which is something that I've kind of struggled with where early in my career, you know, I've got a computer science degree, as I said, and I was... Once confronted with, well, why don't you're not going to be able to be in QA forever? Why don't you become an engineer? I'm like, I think you're wrong about that. I think I can stay in QA.
2: Uh I mean, yeah, to me that just sounds like he's not paying his testers enough. Like if someone said that to me, like, oh, we it's it's physically impossible for us to retain any talent at any level. Like, oh, well, you're probably not compensating them or giving them career opportunities in some way
1: Yep, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i was saying about you know trying to push to get uh more full-time spots for testers and more recognition and the industry is changing keep in mind this was also written in 2000 so things have developed quite a bit since this
2: and his last one
1: his last one was i can't afford testers which is just an inherently false claim (laughs) You, you
0: testers are going to save you money. Right. Uh, if, if you can't afford testers, you can't afford to release software. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Oy. um, Yeah,
1: that was, uh, I think uh, that was a fun conversation unless uh, either you guys have anything you're burning to get at. I think we can uh, uh, get to the end of episode uh, little games. I'm good. All right. I'm good. So now we get to the War Story segment, and I'm getting better about reminding guests that this is something that comes up where we like to share amusing little anecdotes about our work history. So, Dave, since you're the guest and this is your first time here, do you have something you'd like to share?
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, So I... Way back in the day, worked on a MMO that had its own uh, achievement system. Where uh, you know, you like any other achievement, you do things, you get points for it. And uh, we had an incident where a uh a player had his achievement points completely reset down to zero and he was no longer able to unlock achievements and we were like wow that sounds pretty bad so we were like they put a couple of us on it and and my particular job on this was to as naturally as possible we were worried that maybe his character record was reaching a like a max memory limit that might theoretically exists in our game uh, unaware to us, and go over that and then reset to zero and just break. Uh, So my job was to essentially create a character with that max memory limit, which involved me with uh, using, on the staging branch, with as little dev tools as, like, could exist there, to run around and complete every single thing in the game as fast as possible to get as many points as possible in order to do this the person on the development branch that had full access to um tools did it in two days it took two full work days to create a character record as large as possible it didn't cause it to break so they were like well maybe on staging brands i was three days into this incredibly monotonous task of doing it when we figured out that what had happened is he had used Fiddler, a networking tool, to create packets to award himself achievements, and then when he broke his character, submitted a customer support ticket.
0: Oh. Man, the stones on somebody. Hey, your thing's broken because... I tried to mess with it and I messed it up.
1: No, they'll do that. They'll do that. I've I've no. I've run into others like that where they they're cheaters, and they then blame you when their cheating caused stuff to break.
0: Yeah. How yeah. about you just play fair, Billy Mitchell, huh? <laughs> Ooh, topical. That's right. I, I was. I said to myself at the beginning, I said I'm going to work in a Billy Mitchell reference into this. And when you mentioned cheaters, I'm like, oh, perfect. Oh, I'm so glad you did that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Um, I'll I'll throw in a a little one for myself, too. Something about that made me think of, and I guess kind of just by extension, the entire conversation. It's also really kind of nice and reassuring if you're ever in that position, because in QA, you're always going to get asked, eventually you're going to get asked the question, why didn't you find this sooner or at all? And that question's always going to suck. But it's also super awesome when someone comes up to you and asks, why didn't you find this? And you say, hold on a second, I know there's a test case for that. And you go and find the test case, and you see it was failed, and it links to the bug, and you say, no, we did find it. It's right here. Why didn't you do anything about it?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That has happened to me more than once.
0: That's the best, though, when somebody who's yeah. like, well, why didn't you find this? And then you, you give them like the, the defect ID number. Yeah. Like why don't you just go ahead and go to one, two, five, seven, eight? <laughs> yeah, we, we found that three months ago. Yeah. It's actually assigned to you to fix. <laughs> so that was my situation. This actually was assigned to the guy who said to me, Why didn't you find it? And I'm like, it's it's assigned to you. It's been sitting in your box for a while now. And then then it was kind of awkward, and then it was like, Well, you should have reminded me. I'm like, oh I listen, I can't I can't manage my team and your team too. <laughs> and you and you, yeah.
1: That's why we have a database so you can just look up assigned to me. And if you're not capable of doing that, I don't know what you want
0: from me. <laughs> yeah. Although <laughs> I uh, can I give a little mini war story here. Sure. It's not it's not a real war story of testing. It's just sort of like working with uh, within our test tools that our our developers are notoriously uh, inefficient working within in the tool. They know they know how to do the basic like stuff just to do the main parts of their job, but. They, ah, they, there are, there are certain, the tool is so powerful. It can give you any stats, any metrics. You can, you can do so many things. And our developers, they, they just, it it just goes beyond them. And so I I have to field all these questions sometimes. Um, even the things like, so how many, how many defects do we open on Tuesday? Do you have that somewhere? Mm -hmm. Like, why, why would I keep a database of Tuesday defects? Like, do you understand how, how, Ahead, I have to be on a project to where that sort of thing becomes important to me. But I I, I deal with that all the time, and a lot of times I, I had one person come up and said like I, I don't know where this bug is. I don't know is is it should be assigned to me? Where is it? And like they were filtering by the wrong project. Yeah. Like uh, dude, you're not even looking. At, you're not even looking in the right box. You know. <laughs> Use <laughs> context clues. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so funny. They were so confused. As like They thought their bugs were disappearing, but they just – because that, that filter, the project filter, is, is all the way to the right, and if you have it zoomed in too far, then it's a scroll bar away. Mm. So if you don't see it, they were just thinking, like, I'm looking at everything assigned to me. I don't see this bug. Where is it? Oh, just scroll to the right, please.
1: It's it's a little like I've ha- I've had times where people have asked me questions about how do you do this and I look at it and I'm I actually look at something that I have no idea what it is or how it works. I look at it and about two minutes I give them their answer. <laughs> it's like I just it's it's a little bit like man, how did you know or how how long have you known that? Just about about two minutes now I just figured it out looking at it. You know, oh <laughs> uh, boy. Anywho, thanks guys for the conversation. Thanks, uh, Dave, for agreeing to come on, and, and Greg, as always. Yeah, thanks thank for having you. me. And if there's anybody out there who would like to see me write about anything in the Behind the Line article series or hear us talk about anything here on Behind the Line Radio, you can always get in touch with me at kinetic at com, or reach out to me on Twitter at Kinetic Knows, K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K-K-N-O-W-S. See you all next time, everybody.
2: Behind the Line Radio
0: is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter at Enthusiasts. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiasts and like us on Facebook, Enthusiasts.